0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, we get to talk about everything in between. However you are watching, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, five-star review, leave a review, go to the YouTube page, like, and subscribe there if you're on some one of the other ones. Please, you know how it works. We all appreciate when you do that, but more importantly, today my incredible guest i have steve mella he's a performance coach and cultural consultant he's the head host of the career competitor podcast and former associate head coach of swimming down in the bayou of
1: lsu steve how you doing today man i'm doing wonderful man thank you for the intro always uh it's always a a little uh fuel for the ego just to hear a little something like that sometimes so it's nice right <laughs> uh, there's there's other things that'll feel your ego somewhere in here um but i always like
0: doing that right i want to start you off on the right foot i want to get you jazzed yeah. excited you're here yeah. i mean honestly your life's yeah. peaking you're on the for the love of sports podcast so like you can honestly only go down from here man so that's you know. true
1: man i'll let my wife know that later yeah but, you know the two the two children I was say that to had, kids. Yeah, they, they, they were they it was great but then then this podcast came along and this is where this it all is changed. where it, so, i mean this is where it all goes it all down changed. so uh
0: enjoy it while you can man you got a solid 30 to 40 minutes of uh just pure ecstasy and it all goes down here uh steve very excited obviously to talk about all these incredible things that you're doing you've done that you're getting into but the first question i have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much
1: i mean i don't remember life without it. it is the easiest way to easiest way to sort of answer that from the beginning for me growing up where i grew up in england there wasn't much to do and the only real consistent option was to get outside and play sports and so for me i learned to compete from a very young age and i was doing every single sport under the sun even the unpopular sports just because it was like hey if they're available i'll do it and what's funny is in england a lot of the popular sports here particularly unpopular so things like basketball i love playing basketball it was really easy to make the team because no one wanted to be on it so it was uh you know i was tall and unathletic but it didn't matter you know i i and i could pretty much score on anybody because everybody else was inadequate too uh so so yeah man I just any any sport i could really get my hands on and get involved with i was involved and you know when you grow up in england too uh, as we call it football as you call it soccer um you know for us it is a religion uh it's it's ingrained for the for most people it's ingrained from from birth and, and for me my team's liverpool and i actually lived 30 years of life not knowing what it really meant to be relevant. Um, as a fan, uh, you know, I, I lived I lived through the, the Manchester United reign, um, pretty much my entire school years. So we were talking the better part of like 15 years of just always n- never being good enough to your pretty much your historical greatest rival. Um, and, and people letting you know, you know, people <laughs> letting you know that you, you your, your team sucks and our team is better than yours. Uh, but I always stood strong. And I happen to now be living in, uh, in what is probably going to be looked back on as, as one of the more successful times uh, for Liverpool Football Club and that is the sport that really gets me going more than anything even though my entire uh, history for the most part involved in sport was swimming if I sit down and start talking football or soccer however you want to put it with someone it's it's hard to get me off the topic quick that's for sure
0: and it's it's interesting right so I'm a I'm a Mets fan here um so mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kinda know what you're you're feeling. Except now Liverpool's really good and the Mets are the Mets are good, but we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like Liverpool's gonna win the FA Cup. Liverpool's probably gonna win the Champions League this year within what? The span of like three weeks of each other. So congratulations, right. kudos. Um to, like you're 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 gonna be fine. I don't feel bad for you anymore. But it's that it's that tenacity, right? It's that ability to kinda suck it up. Like I, I, hmm. so I keep telling all my friends, I sent it to everyone I know. There's this hilarious clip on the internet pretty much saying like someone was saying what's the best thing about being a Mets fan it's like honestly it's it's the it's the ability to develop character because it's such a shit franchise (laughs) and the ability to kind of stick through with it and say hey I know what's gonna happen and it's always gonna happen and I still stuck with it and you did and look now man look where you are now
1: And, and I was I'm very fortunate to have had a dad who reminded me like it, it will come around son like it will come around one day you gotta you know you gotta keep your head up you gotta not jump onto some sort of glory whatever boat train however you want to put it of, of a bunch of kids locally that would just switch their jerseys oh, yeah. out every single year for a different jersey whoever was relevant at the time um you know for me it was uh because we had little successes here and there and so you enjoy it even yep. more right you know um and, and then we actually were becoming relevant and what's funny is i have a the three-year-old daughter and all she's known is successful Liverpool and so one day I can't wait in many right. ways I can't wait for her to build that character it's like it's okay I've been here sweetheart uh, I've been here we're gonna do it we're gonna do it it's, do it together. it's probably a little easy <laughs> if they stout out start off bad
0: and then you have the yeah, ability to get better it's true. probably not great if you know like say you're a Patriots fan that's 15 years mm. old or whatever right all you've seen is championships and now these last couple of years like wait we kind of suck it's like well now yeah. you know how literally the rest of the league feels and i don't feel yeah. bad for you
1: actually i'd stomp on your grave yeah. and i have no problem yeah. with that exactly and, I, and i've gotten into that it took me no time at all to get into nfl um and i actually You're talking adopted. about religion over there i mean that's our religion over here right, man. Like it's right. No and, and what i love what i love about it here is because the season is so short is the they this condense all the passion into this shorter season whereas soccer in england it's it's all year round it really is and, and the, the the passion for it really never lessens at any point but that being said the the feeling of the NFL fan is something that I I have never seen and I'm saying that as someone obviously like I say who's who's been around some huge games Gone, I, I my dad and I had season tickets at Liverpool from the age of for me from the age of 11 till 15 and so for me it was a it was a good time we were pretty competitive then saw some awesome games but even still just even just being in a bar over here and watching all the nfl games going on and all the fans wearing different jerseys and the shit talking going on around the bar and people throwing beer throwing wings whatever it might be you know it's 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 there's nothing like it there's nothing like it man there is
0: nothing like it and again that's that's why we do it man that's why we love Mm. sports that's why every single day we come back we come back for more no matter how many hits we take 100 percent. i think the mets are losing right now too so this is, uh, (laughs) is perfect perfect segue um so where does swimming come into the whole story? <laughs> I'm kind of curious. You said, so yeah. you, you played all the, the as you, I think your words, the odd sports, the, the the sports that nobody else liked to play. You just wanted to do stuff. Yeah. How do you how do you get into swimming and eventually become a head coach of swimming? Like where, where right, does that come right. from? It's easy to get into yeah. it, right? Someone
1: had a pool yeah. in their backyard, but you right. went full force. Uh, yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget it. I've told this story a hundred times to people in my circles, um, you know, for me, I was about 12, 13 years old, and I really wanted to play soccer. I really did. Um, and you know, why wouldn't you? Um, but at the same time, I wasn't good. I wasn't. And uh, yeah, I was. I was really fit. I was in great shape because I swam, and and because I swam, I could run with anyone on the field. And I would. I was. That was my role on the team. It was like find the best player and make his life hell. Like that was literally what I would do. And how much I would influence our team with the ball at our feet was minimal um but i could really make the the opposition's best player you know make it a difficult game for them let's put it that way so i served a purpose but at the same time i wasn't talented uh but swimming came really easy to me and it was something i fell into um around eight nine years old my sister was doing it competitive my she was older sister and and so i was competitive i wanted to be better in her at something and and this was a a door to that so I started swimming and just because of size and gender I moved past her quite quickly and before I knew it I was being successful and my dad sat me down going back to that story I was referring to my dad sat me down around age 13 he's like Steve I, I get it you, you want to play soccer I get it but the swimming things gonna work out for you long term and I'm like yeah yeah i I see where you're coming from but you know, hear me out dad and he's just like no 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 like let me just make it clear you hear me you're out. <laughs> you're not good enough to make it in soccer and i'm just like the world crumbled around me in that moment i fell into the couch sunk deep there's no way my dad just told me i don't have what it takes to become a soccer player but it's probably the best advice he's ever given me um you know in, in, in hindsight and for me i I kept playing these other sports, but swimming became the thing I took seriously. And, uh, before I knew it, I was doing the early morning training sessions and whatnot and, uh, started to move my way up the rankings in England, became one of the top, uh, three in my, uh, in my specialty event, which was the 200 meter backstroke. Um, that was my event from pretty much 2003, all the way through the end of my career in 2009, made British teams, um. Highest I ever got in England was second in the nation um, and then moved over to the States on a scholarship in 2005 to North Carolina State and started swimming in college and kind of the rest is history. I found, found passion for coaching in time, uh, was a graduate assistant coach at NC State for two years and just really fell in love with coaching, um, saw that people responded to the way I coached. And once you find that connection with athletes, it's really hard to let it go um, to to find to go find something else. And so LSU had an opening in 2011, and I I went for it. And turns out that I had like eight people in my network that could get me in there. Isn't um, that at funny? Least put in yeah, yeah right. So It was it realized straight away like who 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 you know matters. And um, yeah, then spent the better part of the last decade here in here in LSU, and have put kids on uh, the top of the podium in the SEC, All-Americans, and even as recently as last year, before I stepped away from the sport, put a kid on uh, the U.S. Olympic team that went on and got a, an Olympic gold medal. Incredible, so It's uh, been pretty cool. It, yeah,
0: pre- pretty cool is one way to say it. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think it's a little bit cooler than pretty cool. So I'm curious, yeah. though, right? Like, And I appreciate you kind of going, going over the story and giving us a little understanding of that. So what – but like the – there's, there's such a difference between doing and coaching, right? Like there's that cute Mm. thing about teachers, uh, those who can't do teach, right? Like there's always that funny thing. And that's not absolutely not the way it is with coaching. It's usually the other way around. Like if you're really good, Mm. like you don't want to coach because you know, you, 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 somebody doesn't have the tenacity that you had, the grit that you had, it comes so easy to you and it doesn't to them. And right. You were obviously very, very high level. And you know, we just watched Mm. in the summer Olympics, uh, you know, Britain take home a couple a couple medals, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. So clearly, you're sure, not yeah, like yeah. racing against scrubs or anything. What was no, no. it about coaching that drew you in? What was it about coaching that you said, "Hey, look, like, this is this is kind of cool"? Was it all oh, you know, my swimming career is over? I want to hang out with the guys still because I know that's a way that a lot of people get into it, or or was right. there something else that just like hit you on a visceral level that you were like, "No, no, no, I I need to." show and and give people you know the the knowledge and expertise that i have but also be able to take some of the things back that they have and give it to them in a different what is it you know kind of spin it to them so they hear it in a different light which for whatever reason clicks a little different
1: totally yeah very much the latter uh you know for me i was super fortunate <clears throat> before i came over to the us in 2005 i spent two years in the uk as part of a small group of, of athletes that trained with the british team and I was surrounded by guys that were somewhere between six and 10 years older than me for the most part. And, and, and so they'd very much gone through the phase of my development that I was currently going through and come out the other side and knew these are the pitfalls. This is the shit you need to avoid, uh, you know, check your ego at the door, all these sort of real true meaningful, like life lessons. They were able to get that into my brain at the age of 18, 19. So when I arrived in the U S at age 20, in 2005 i had like it felt like i was a generation ahead of my fellow freshman class it was a very surreal thing and i actually connected much more with the the junior and the seniors on the team for that reason and uh, before long though i found that people were coming to me for advice uh you know and, and sometimes it had nothing to do with swimming, and it came very comfortable to me just to hear someone recognize someone get on their level because i was you know not to blow too much smoke up my ass, but I I was I was the highly sought after recruit for for the program at the time. So I, I knew my role on the team was to was to deliver, was to perform at high levels. So when someone came to me, the one thing I always try to do is get on their level, see things from their perspective. And now that I'm now that I've gone through a swim coaching career and now that I'm doing the coaching that I'm doing in the business area it's it's been really interesting to look back and say where did the coaching begin like reflecting and thinking what were the first signs where were the seeds planted and it was very much during my sort of sophomore junior year at NC State was when people were coming to me more and more frequently without me really acknowledging it and i was actually practicing what it meant to get on the right level to engage with the person that i was talking to whether they were the, one of the more impactful people or just a walk-on on the team that wanted to get better, whatever they where wherever they were coming at me from, I was capable mm-hmm. of meeting them at that level. And I learned that quickly in coaching. Um, it took me probably two years as a graduate assistant to realize that they don't understand what it means to work hard the way you did, because you have your own definition for that. And this person here, they've gotten to the level they've got to working hard in whatever version of working hard is to them. So, you learn real quick and it humbles the crap out of you that, hey, listen, this whoever it is you're working with on this given day, they are their own person and you have to meet them on their level in some way. And like I said, I was I was conscious enough and had enough awareness to be able to see that and realize that. And over the years, it came very natural to me to just... Just to meet with people on that level, you know, it, it's, I don't know, because I'm not very good at that, honestly. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's
0: really <laughs> interesting, like, the way you're, you're kind of almost nonchalantly explaining this, because it is pretty difficult for people to do that, right? It's not easy mm. for someone to understand and like put themselves in someone else's shoes. There's so many, you know, you can just hear it just in casual conversation. Oh, that person's so lucky. It's like, is that person lucky or do they work their ass off? And do you know, you know, that right. those types of things that piss me off. I try not to do that, I try not to project or do anything like that. But it's also like I've tried to teach classes in the past, right? Like I've been guest lecturers at college, and I say something, and someone asks me a question, like I have to refrain from being like, "Are you are you freaking kidding me right now?" Like, no, <laughs> right? right so All like right. it's it's super difficult for me to I guess put myself on everybody's level. How how do you find it comes so easy to you? What is it about? I guess your personality or, or things that you've done in the past. Maybe those conversations with your dad that has let you say like yeah okay like i can understand where this walk-off walk-on's coming from even though i was you know number three or number two in the country that i came from you know five or six years ago like i totally get where this person's coming from because i find it very hard to believe that you actually really know where the person's
1: coming from you know what i mean I'm not calling you a liar yeah. of course, but i think you- no no i i i hear what you're saying man it just um for me the best way to explain it is is humility honestly because between my dad who was came who graduated from the school of common sense I mean my dad raised me to just see everything for exactly how it is and very I'm very fortunate for that because going into the world of coaching that serves you really well Um, because so often people really want to believe there's more to something than there actually is when sometimes a coach the best thing a coach can do is simplify things, is just walk in and say, no, you're trying to create a scenario for yourself that's not there, or you're trying to put pressure on yourself that's not there, or you're trying to put expectation on yourself that's not there. And the fact of the matter is this is the scenario, these are the expectations, and the fact is there is no pressure, you're just creating it. So let's talk about what is actually in front of us. And I I got those lessons growing up as a kid and I was able to implement them for myself within my own career. My dad learned it around the age of about 14, 15. My dad was like, okay, he's getting good enough now where my advice is no longer serves him particularly well. Uh, He's he's kind of graduated from dad's insight. Let's put it that way. Um, So then I was very much on my own in that regard. But like I said, I was fortunate. I was always the guy in the room that was quiet, that was listening, and that was a few years younger than most people around him growing up. And that has served me massively um, because it's always... Someone, a, a buddy of mine, actually in the last year or two, even said to me, he's like, dude, how were you, how did you come off as wise in college? And I was just like, I wasn't wise. And he's like, yeah, but you came off yeah, like exactly. you were wise. And I'm like, well, that just means that maybe I was a little bit more ahead of where you were in the moment. It doesn't mean that I actually was wise, but I think I've always been like that in life. I've always been a, a year or two or a generation or two, it feels like at times that's just, little bit further ahead is able to see things maturely experience um, and that humility as well like I said I've always been very comfortable admitting okay you screwed up here this wasn't good enough figure out how to do that better and so when I have those because I'm so clear about how I treat myself that way when I do meet someone with that same projection of like hey that's not good enough see if you can do it better they're like well he's the king of that like he's the guy that's always admitting fault so when he's coming at me, I guess I have to admit fault too.
0: Yeah. Right. It's not always a funny thing. Like for salesmen, tell someone not to use your product and they're more likely to use your product, right? <laughs> like it's one of those things where right. just be honest with people and, you know, tell, yeah. tell them actually the way it is. Uh, and mm. most of the time it's going to work out for you. So I do want to talk. So clearly your time as a coach is very impactful because you've gone to coaching in another sense, but I am curious, like the athletes, again, you worked with olympians as you say gold medal winning Mm -hmm. athletes you know athletes that dominated the sec where it just means more if i'm not mistaken right (laughs) um you know leading multiple swimmers i have here in 2012 to the u.s trials like you're clearly not messing around like what was it like for you to work with these athletes because again like now now i'm curious from the opposite side right so you're talking to this walk-on and trying to get an understanding Mm -hmm. where they are and now you're talking to this athlete that's going out to win a gold medal I don't mm. want to put you down or anything, but I don't, th- I didn't r- right. see gold medals somewhere. You know what I mean? So now I'm kind of curious from the other side, like, what is it like them working mm. with some of these athletes that you could probably admit are leaps and bounds better than you, but you still have that ability to kind of like, wh- what's that like being able to be like, well, you know, actually, if you did it this way, you'd probably be better. Like there's, mm. where's the ego involved in that? Cause there has to be something there, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I again, though, at the core of, at the core of every version of success, there's a real person there, you know, and I think sometimes, especially in sport, we want to make champions like superheroes like they are some yeah yes they are yeah i mean they they really are in a lot of ways, but deep down in private yep. you know private moments they're they're human like anybody else, and they have vulnerabilities like anybody else, they have weaknesses like anybody else, and I think the more you can humanize any process the more likely it is you can be successful with it and and so for me let's say for instance um the kid his name's brooks curry who i worked with from 2019 through uh, last summer to make the games he was a no one when he arrived at lsu and i mean when i say no one i mean unrecruited completely unrecruited but when i sat down with him and i'd, I'd done a little bit of scouting and i had a good idea that his ceiling was pretty high When i sat down with him and i presented ideas and said what does this sound like to you this idea of of being an sec champion of being a national champion of making an olympic team when i say these things where do they hit and there was a little bit of that typical 18 19 year old boy reaction of like little like oh oh, dude but you know that kind of stuff but there was also an element of acceptance and acknowledgement that there's realism to it as well that like he, he i was able to get him on my wavelength in terms of i saw the ceiling and i try to bring him towards that ceiling but one thing i was always very good at as a coach and i'm okay saying this because i I'm, <laughs> i feel pretty confident about it is i was always very good at helping someone see what was required of them to get to the level that they wanted to get to because so often it's easy to want it But then when you actually understand what's required of you and sit down with them and really walk through it, it's amazing how much more likely it is they're going to figure it out. And the walk-ons are a perfect example. Some of my favorite stories from coaching are the walk-ons that made Olympic trials. Things like that. You know, guys guys and girls who their entire life had been made to feel that they weren't good enough and suddenly came to me with that perception that they weren't good enough and then talked to me about an idea or a dream that they might have. And then suddenly you go, okay, well, the problem here is that we've got to get you believing that you are good enough to do that. So if we focus on that, everything else will take care of itself. So that's what we focused on. And everyone's got that chip, right? Everyone's got that chip on their shoulder. When you can identify the chip that's specific to them, um, a lot of other stuff falls into place after that. I really believe in
0: visualization and declarations. Mm. Uh, You know, I do all that reading my my goals out loud, right? That's something most people don't even write down their goals. And then the people yep. that do write them down, I think it's another like 50% don't ever actually read them, right? Like let's read them yep. every single day, right? So I truly yep. believe in all that stuff, and clearly it sounds like that you're you know able – capable of getting people to believe in themselves more than they are. And honestly, yep. that's half the battle, right? Like as you just said, yep. like just being able to have that acceptance of the, there's an opportunity here and you can take advantage of it, putting in the work – At that point is the easy part, right? Like if you could see that vision, if you say, hey, do this and you'll be an Olympian, how many people are going to do that? Not everybody, of course, but the right people are going to say, okay, let's go coach Steve. Like, let's do it. And clearly you were able to do that with many of these athletes. So I'm curious then, what's that like in the business sense? What's that like in the business world? I I, want to flip it a little bit where, (laughs) all right, so you were coached to college kids, right? Like that's a whole (laughs) Oh, it's a whole different kind of human being, right? Me now being, you know, eight years removed from college. I remember some of the things I said Mm. and did. It's just, I laugh. just thinking about how silly they were. Right. But now you're now working with successful business people, entrepreneurs. Mm. You're working with corporate companies and getting people to understand. So talk to me a little bit about what you do now and how you were able to take that coaching of swimmers
1: and turn it into coaching of successful business people. Yeah, uh, so much of it starts in a similar place in terms of meeting them wherever wherever I can best serve is where I need to meet them. And I think when I started this business, I assumed, okay, these are the types of people that are going to be intrigued to work with me. And you start to label, you almost label your credentials in terms of the impact they can have before people are even given the opportunity to figure out whether you're right for them. And one thing I realized quite quickly is that there's a ton of people out there That believe they're capable of more and that was what was harmonious with me that that that's what i realized within about a month or two of creating my business that if i do a consultation with someone and they make it clear that on some level and this is how i like to explain it on some level they've been working with some expectations up to this point in their life but they've had this realization of late that there's more that there's a potential that they've never truly gone after figuring out what that gap looks like between their current expectations and what they feel their potential is that's where i insert myself and that's how i I like to explain it to people when i'm doing consultations and so for me it's hilarious because my you talk about a demographic i'm working my youngest client is 26 and my oldest client is 72 you know that there is nothing consistent about those age groups. <laughs> there's two completely different worlds. However, I can say quite confidently that those two people that I'm working with, for instance, are competitors first and foremost, but they are also curious about what they are still capable of doing. And when you're 26, there's something about that where it's like, well, you know, no shit. Of course, you're still curious that you've got more to give. But it doesn't mean you have to be curious. It doesn't mean you have to actually take action. So that's the thing that I admire about someone who's younger in the process. Now, when it comes to being 70, a few clients in their 60s, a few in their 50s. But again, when it comes to being 70, you're talking about tiny percentages, fractions that you can maybe potentially improve at that point in life. You know, not astronomical change, but enough change that you sense it, that you feel it. Something about your day is shifting in a way where you're noticing that this work that I'm doing with Steve right now is actually it's actually having an impact even in my 70s when I should be retired on a beach with a Mai Tai in my hand just chilling with a cigar I'm still going why because we're actually identifying that even still I have pretty high expectations but there's still this tiny gap that I can access and work and develop myself in so so much of my work in the business world now is really character driven soft skill based I try to refrain from terms like business coach because I don't get into the nitty gritty of data analysis and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's about the human being. It's about the person and very much about what I have called the optimal self and our desire to go chase that. I love
0: that story about that seven-year-old man, because it's so, it's It's crazy, right? It's it's awesome. It's, it's, it's only nuts because like we've kind of deemed it to be nuts, but like, right Why, like dude like you can live till 90 like that's not really that crazy right so like so you're saying the last 18 years of your life you're just gonna kind of hang out just switch which is like off. Yeah, fine if off. that's what you want right. to do but like yeah switch off that's a much better way of saying it hanging out yeah. sounds fun switching off yeah sounds like shit right so like yeah. understanding that aspect of it and like i at 30 i hope to and can i feel like confidently say like at seventy two, I'm not going to be stopping. I hope this podcast is still going, and we're on episode three thousand. Right, like that's the right. goal. Like I, I, I do this for fun. This is this is out of out of love, and that's why I get up. You know, that's why I do the things that I do, so I can hang out with people like you and learn what you're doing to how how you're helping other people, and hopefully you can help some more. And I think it's really totally. important um, for people to understand like the the opportunities. I know, you know, some of my very closest friends. Not, not to say given up. I'm. That's the only way that's coming to mind. But like, have already, ac- I've already accepted, like what's going to happen in life. I'm like, you're right. 31. Like, right. When, it, when did Gandhi start doing like all of the shit that Gandhi <laughs> did? Like, yeah, you don't have to be yeah. Gandhi, but like, you can start doing small amounts of things now that over time will snowball effect, right, and become huge. And shit, if it's 10 years, who cares? It's still 10 years of like not doing nothing, right? Like, it's it's so. Yeah, I just I just can't accept that way of living personally. And I yeah. will continue to try and get better every single day, 1% every day, man, we're, we're going to be sitting pretty at the end of the year, right? So I guess like, what is it? What are the types of conversations you have? What are, what are the types of things that you're doing with, you know, these clients in particular, or really just competitors in particular, that's allowing you to tap into their level of thinking like where they are? And to, as you mm. said to fill that gap and get them to see like hey if this is this is what's necessary for you to get
1: to that next step yeah my you know my curiosity is um i'm starting to learn my curiosity is uh is is one of my heightened senses i, I guess in, in in the sense of i i very much take this role of a detective um when i work with my clients and You know, a lot lot of the terms that I use when I talk about optimal self and curiosity, it's like, oh, buzzword, buzzword, this guy's just trying to sort of sell, sell, sell. And I I actually started working with uh, a a young woman um, in the last couple of weeks and, you know, just had a session with her yesterday and on the the way out just sort of said like, you know, something about the optimal self. And she smiled and I said, remember when you thought that was just a buzzword? And she's like, and she kind of laughed. I'm like, this is the mission. This is what we're doing here. And, and, and people that i work with understand that their their ambitions become mine and it's just who i am i I cannot control that part and and for me that's why i now love that i'm very much my own boss paving my own way doing this the way i'm doing it is i yes i don't have to answer to anyone but in many ways i still do i have to answer to my clients i have i have to serve them to be their best self because for me my life personally that's what a lot of my own work is is the curiosity of how do I grow? How do I evolve? And to your point that you were making there about, you know, a few buddies who who may be sort of going into autopilot at 30 31 years old, the human being was put on Earth to evolve, they weren't put on Earth to sit and do nothing. They, they weren't, they were put on Earth to evolve from the very, very beginning. And even though lifespans were much shorter back then, evolving was literally survival. It was it. And, and, and so at some point, that message has been lost. But fortunately, for guys like yourself and I who have a heightened awareness to that, that desire to evolve is really how I enjoy going about this curio- curious nature that I have and this detective process that I have. And I'm a very word-oriented person, so my, if I find a client using the same word rep- repetitively and they don't realize they're using it, I'll make a note and then we'll sort of go down this rabbit hole of what this word means to them. And before long they'll start to realize that they've been using a word that is actually n- not serving them well it's actually creating negative negative trains of thought it's, it's you know perspectives are being shifted because this word has a meaning that is truly detrimental to them for instance and uh, one thing i like to do is you know perfect example is uh, people like to use terms like habits and bad habits and i actually with my clients i turn around and say we're not going to use the term bad habits we're going to call them habits and problems because bad habits is this really soft way of saying hey i've got a problem i've got a problem and i need to figure it out and i use the example of someone that smokes for a living it's like hey you want to smoke go ahead it's fine and if you're going to go around saying i got this bad habit that i smoke okay that's fine but let's call it what it is it's a health problem it's going to call it's going to kill you one day and that's that's the truth that's you can call it a bad habit and sugarcoat it if you want or you can call it the problem that it is and my clients learn real quick that that sense of realism brings you into the moment, brings you into the present day where you go, okay, I'm way more conscious now of the words I use, the decisions that I make. And it very much facilitates their growth. Um, at, when, when we start getting into the stride of that, it, things start to speed up quite nicely.
0: I love a lot of the things that you're saying because they 100% align. Like I don't do things that don't serve me. I have the awareness to understand my thoughts and hear when I am being negative. And I have that ability now to kind of turn those off. Now, it took, you know, five, six, seven years for me to be able to kind of obviously not master it, but become really damn good at it. And I've become very damn good at it by just practicing and over time understanding, visualizing all these things that, you know, you're talking about here. I'm I'm curious, like, how much of this comes from you? How much of this did you learn from coaching, right? Like, Because I'm sure along the way of, of swim coaching, you learned how to deal with people even more and understand because you you probably only dealt with so many people when you were growing up and then you only dealt with so many more people. And then when you get into coaching Mm -hmm. and you're coaching for many years, you're now dealing with a whole spectrum of people that now you get to kind of pick and choose, like, how do I get to deal with this person? Right. So how much of that did you learn from, from coaching that you've been able to bring over from swim coaching that you've been able to bring over to now your um, we're not calling it performance coaching. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I got that correct. And being able to kind of, manipulate not manipulate people because that's not a positive word but be able to I guess kind of like massage people and understanding that you're really here to help them and that they there are things that they need to do to improve you can't do it for them but you can as you said kind of show them the way and give them the ability and the kind of the blueprint of what they need to do
1: yeah it's a guidance there's no doubt um you know that that guidance is something that I try to establish in the beginning and I I have to be so conscious when I'm working with clients and I even say it out loud sometimes to make sure that I'm not making mistakes when it comes to telling people what to do. Um, You know, when you're working in sport, there's gonna be technical things where you're supposed to just tell someone what to do. Hey, that's, that's not the way you're supposed to do it, do it this way. When you're talking about the true definition of coaching, you know, coaching is helping people see, helping people see what it is they need to do to serve them better that is what coaching is and when it comes to sport if if we're being completely honest based on my two and a half decades of experience in it um, coaches don't do that often coaches like to tell what people should do and so when I start working with people I, I try to be firstly as honest and open about that as possible so if they're coming into it and they have no element of accountability in their world i tell them it's going to be really hard to work with me because i accountability kind of comes with the territory um but in in terms of getting them to that point of of true growth um you know guidance is huge it it does come from a guiding standpoint um and you'll forgive me i I kind of forgot what the question was i guess at this point i don't know i honestly don't (laughs) even remember what the question was i kind of ramble (laughs) when i ask a lot of my questions
0: i think of all these cool things and then i kind of spit them out and hope that you kind of you know, figure it out. And well, I, no, you were
1: saying you about. I remember now. You were saying about. You were saying about like uh, whether whether my experience and um, oh, working with like and stuff. Multiple yes. different yeah, 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 People yeah. and all these yes. different types yeah, of people yeah. has how how that's helped when you're in your current role. Yeah, so so much so much of the lessons that I've really taken into my coaching business come from experience. I, I was. Very fortuitous that I, I chose the educational path that I did. I did a, a degree in an undergraduate degree in communications, and then I did a two-year master's degree in management. So I got this really nice mesh of what it means to communicate, what it means to listen, what it means to write, etc. And then I got this understanding of really how the business world works and and what you need to be doing to to get ahead. And and so it's, it it very at the time I didn't see myself starting my own performance coaching culture consulting business, but worked out uh so i kind of got ahead there but at the same time the majority of what i use with my clients is what i would call trial and error um stuff that i had the fortune to fail at as a coach and and again going back to my message of humility earlier to fail to pull an athlete to one side and say hey listen i told you that this was a good idea i was wrong let's play let's let's take this in a different direction it's usually not a catastrophically wrong idea it's usually just enough of a screw up where you have to sit down and say, Hey, my bad, let's try it a different way. Uh, and, and you know, that, that for me, at least uh, that humility, that vulnerability with an athlete is so damn powerful. Um, cause they just go, well, shit, he's, he's telling me he's, he's the guy in charge. And he's telling me he screwed up. And I'm, I'm here for it. And, and that's one thing I do with my clients now is just like, Listen, let's give this a go, it might not work. I'm not here to tell you to do it this specific way. It's an action step. And we're going to learn from this action step. I'm fortunate to say that most of the time they do work, but occasionally when they don't, okay, back to the drawing board, let's revisit, let's talk it through again, and see if we can come up with a different idea.
0: And I think you understanding failure, right, that That's kind of a positive step. Everybody looks at failure as as a backward step, when in reality, there's no such thing as failure. There's only lessons to be learned. Uh, I repeat that to myself multiple times every single day. So it's one of those things. And and by you admitting fault or admitting failure, you're also giving the athlete permission to understand that they can fail too. There's not like a 100. Like you have to be a hundred percent every single time. There has to be some failure along the way. And it's very difficult, especially for top level athletes, for business people, you know, running their own business. It's very difficult for a business, an entrepreneur or someone running a business to admit failure to a company, right? Like that's not an easy conversation. But if you can admit failure to them, it then gives them permission to understand that they're allowed to fail too. Not that they're trying to fail, right? Like I kind of like being wrong every once in a while. It makes you feel human. If you're right all the time, it's boring. Like, yeah, it would be nice, right? Like, yeah, let me know. I'd get in the stock market tomorrow, right? Or I'd put more money in the stock market tomorrow. But (laughs) it's just one of those things that most people don't accept that as as a positive. And once you start accepting that as a positive – where do the negatives come from right if if the right. if the most negative things are now positive everything's a positive in my opinion and that's kind of the right. way i try and live my life is just radiating positivity all the time because negativity is what you make of it if you choose if it's something is negative and i think it's really awesome how you're capable of doing that and helping out all these people um with the last couple of minutes here steve obviously i mean you're on a podcast. We have to talk about your podcast, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's like yeah, Inception. Man, come on. It's,
1: we should have been talking about this whole time. Shouldn't we? That's just, I don't know. That you, had the some, whole you had some pretty good stuff to say in
0: there. Um, talk to me a little bit. So you're the host of the Career Competitor Podcast. It's kind of the name of your business too, right? If I'm not mistaken. Career... It's the same name. Cool. Yes. Cool, 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 it's the exact cool, cool, cool. same name. Yeah. So what, um, you started the podcast before the business though, or at least timelines kind of looked like that. I so I did. was the business always kind of the, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. Or was this something you're like, I think it'd be cool to ask people some questions let's see what this works out to
1: be like man you know what it's um the universe is the universe has given me a lot of great ideas and great direction i would say in the last few years and uh believe it or not i was i was a podcast before the the real trend kicked in Ooh. so it was about four years almost to the day so here we are in middle of may uh it was 2008 may 2018 i think i started to at least schedule my first three recordings nice and uh all three people i knew and i because i wanted that safe space you know what i mean um and but anyway the the idea behind the podcast when it when it started career competitor was sitting down with former athletes and having them talk to talk to an audience and provide insight on what it means to apply the characteristics and the traits that they that serve them well as an athlete in whatever it is that they're doing today uh and so it was, it was really cool just to take an element of the world that i was in as a swim coach but then the part that i loved about swim coaching was people and seeing their development as people through the four years of college but i also made a lot of effort keeping in touch with people after they would leave college too and, and seeing what they would go into uh, and so it it was a it was a natural idea it was something that i was super excited about and i just kind of went for it uh, and uh, before i knew it uh, you know here we are now four years later i've had some it started off almost seasonal and now i've got into a good rhythm with it in the last couple of years so about 135 140 episodes something like that so it churned out a lot and the the crazy thing about it was that my network just kind of kept growing as i'm sure you've noticed too with what you're doing is is the network just keeps growing people want to introduce they come on they have a good time they want to introduce you to someone else and before i knew it probably around uh a little after covid covid was a very good time for podcasting as everyone knows um but the um it was after covid that i started to interview a few people c-suite execs um business owners uh olympians olympic champions nfl hall of famers um steve atwater actually came on the show um so just little things like that were super exciting and people would start to just drop a little bit of you know just uh advice at the end of episodes like have you thought about what you can do with this show and just all that kind of thing i'm like well i'm kind of doing it like no 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 have you thought about what you can mm-hmm. do like what you can do away from the show um and you know over the last 18 months or so i started thinking about that and what was so funny is that as i climbed the top of the mountain as a swim coach and put someone on an olympic team and they went and got a gold medal i found myself at the top of that mountain looking around and being like yeah there's more there's more there's more to life there's more out there there's there's something there's something more i can be doing with my skill set i guess is the best way to put it and um and career competitor llc was born um october i want to say october 18th 19th like that last year um so it's only seven months old uh really in terms of a, a, a thriving business it's probably about three months old uh so it's very young still um but at the same time so much of what I did to begin the purity of the idea at the beginning of the four year process, still very much remains in my interviews today, we've kind of gotten off track a little bit from time to time. But at the same time, what I'm now doing is very much implementing a lot of the lessons I've been able to get from my guests over the last four years. So it's been it's been awesome, man. I mean, as, as you know, podcasting for me, it's, a, it's a passion. And now it's a first impression. That's the cool thing about it. Now, it, it used to just be a hobby. And in many ways, it still is. But now it's like, hey, welcome to me welcome to career competitor welcome to who i am and what i do and i also interview people and love getting to learn from them but this is a first impression of who i am now in terms of you know almost like the front line of my business if you will
0: i love it man i think it's awesome it's my favorite thing i get to do as well like hands down don't get paid Mm. Uh, did use this not a penny not a penny
1: four years zero
0: dollars zero dollars but i i wouldn't (laughs) stop i will never stop because i love it so much um it's the uh I don't know, man. It's the ability to just, like sit down. We've talked for forty-five minutes now. Yeah. I haven't looked at my phone once. I don't think you have, really? even though I might have nope. saw it once. Uh, no I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I wasn't. Kidding. I was looking at the I'm clock. Kidding. I was looking at the clock dude. I know it's a quick forty-five. <laughs> I'm pretty damn good at this. I couldn't so. believe it. Um, I couldn't believe but it. But no, in in all honesty, like it's such a cool thing. Like I don't sit down with. My closest friends and sit down and just stare at them for 45 minutes right and just like right. hey man no phone funny? no food no you can have a glass of water maybe a beer if we're having a lot of fun but, like, it's just mm. – it's there's nothing – you're not going to have this type of experience, and I do this twice a week, and I love it more than anything. And I get to talk to cool people like you, hear the things that you're doing here and how you're hearing helping people, hopefully be able to introduce you to some more so you can help them. And just let other people listen to the conversation. Hopefully, they can pick up a couple of things. If I can help one person with every single conversation, I think I'm making an impact, and that's kind of my goal there. Um, yeah. I was going to let you go, but I actually came up with another question that I, I'm curious do about. It. So you are – a performance coach and cultural consultant you have your own business and you help people that own their own business mm. who helps you
1: because
0: oh, that's like fun. it's really easy to tell somebody maybe not really easy it's easy to say like hey man you should be doing this but then it's <laughs> kind of difficult then to get a little
1: introspective <laughs> with it right like that's not the easiest thing yeah. to do <laughs> no 100 percent. and um I- i'll be extremely open and honest as i am all the time on my on my podcast i've, I've actually been in therapy for close, going in, going on seven years now um and what's so funny is that when i went in there i went in there for the for the reasons that most people would start therapy to, to truly get some help um now i go in there for a mental massage is the best I way like to put that. it and um you know just to go in and, and sit down with a guy who seven-year relationship i've had with my therapist now i mean there's there's not a lot of friends i right? have in my life that i have a seven-year relationship with so for me now so much of it is actually just positive conversation it's just going in there and just saying like yeah you know i'm thinking about this and this is something that kind of sat with me for a few more days than i wanted it to and my energy was a bit off here and there and all this kind of thing and so it's a it's a it's a sounding board for me now that really does give me what works for me and you know people In this day and age we 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 have endless amounts of ideas and resources at our disposal people try um you know meditation uh you know they try all all sorts of stuff um you know journaling is something that a lot of my clients do it's something i really encourage i once did that i don't need as much now but um you know for for me we've always got that ability to have access to someone or something And, and for me therapy's been that um you know i if my wife listens to this, she's probably going to want me to say that she's a resource too. Um, but she's she very much is. And she knows that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, going back to all those lessons in my childhood, uh, my dad, to this day, um, is is still a guy that I can just sort of say, like, hey, you know, I'm doing this with the business right now. And he, oh, that's just- that's stupid. <laughs> I was like, "All right, thanks, Dad. Appreciate, Appreciate it. the bluntness. That's um, <laughs> a, uh, it's a perspective. Yep. It's an idea. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll jot it down. Thank you so much. Uh, you never had your own business, but never mind. But he uh, knows. <laughs> yeah. he knows. Uh, but no, man. It's, it's something that I, I talk about on the show all the time. It's just my journey with therapy and, and something that I, uh, you know, people getting into coaching. People said, "Oh, coaches need their own coaches," and I'm like, "I agree, 100." percent And it's something that I, I continue to consider, and I'm sure I'll, I'll do at some point myself, but. I built that type of relationship with my therapist now where in many ways, he's, he's become a coach to me too. Um, so it's uh, something I'm very fortunate about and always something I encourage anybody who's even thinking about it. Just, just go do it. It's, it's good it's, to talk uh, to people, it's beneficial. man. It's
0: good to just yeah, say man. the things that you're thinking in your head out loud. That's why I, like, I, I have like an on-off relationship with journaling. Like if I need to, I'll mm. be able to kind of sit yeah. down like a couple of days and just, just, just spill everything out. And then it's like, that's kind of nice. Mm. Now it's, it's out of your head and it's on the paper. It's on like the computer screen, that kind of, you know, the ability to get it out. So actually just being able to talk to somebody half the time is really all you were looking for and all you really needed was just to vent or to
1: talk some shit every once in a while, right? We all like totally. doing that and
0: it's necessary.
1: Not saying- And it's, that's what's, what's funny. What's funny about that is that's where I'm at with my therapist now. I don't have scheduled appointments. I literally wait till my body tells me Hey, it's time to go back and see your therapist, um, and I let my body decide when that's right. And so it's uh, sometimes I'll go twice in the space of three or four weeks. Sometimes two months will go by, and then I'm like, "Yeah, but it's about time again." But it's it's it, that 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 heightened awareness to something like that is what serves me well. Hundred percent. I mean, we go to the
0: doctors for checkups for our body. Uh, I don't know. The brain's pretty damn important. Maybe we should pay attention to that a little bit more. Some
1: would say it's maybe the most important. Maybe. 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 (laughs) Awesome. Steve, this has
0: been awesome. Um, Let's uh, give me the websites. Give me the socials. Give me everything.
1: And then I'll add everything to the
0: show notes uh, in case everybody wasn't quick enough to jot them down.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, it's career competitor, careercompetitor.com. And you can enter that into just about any podcast area as well. And you'll find the podcast. Uh, You can email me. It's steve at careercompetitor.com and i'm pretty consistent on socials it is coach underscore steve underscore m m for mel my last name so it's all uh, pretty consistent and uh, i'd love just like yourself man i love talking to people so uh, if you're ever just looking for a 30 minutes just chat and want to get my insight on a few things steve at career competitor i'd love to talk to you I, I, well, I'm going to take that as you were saying
0: that to me, and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, please do! No, yeah, no, let's no, do it again no. next week, man. Same time next week. <laughs> Maybe not the same time next week. There's some playoff hockey on right now, but uh, no, oh, I prefer shit. doing true this, and and I appreciate you for that. I think it's pretty important, and it's pretty, um, it's impactful, man. People people got to mm. understand that kind of thing. It, it it really is, and it helps. It helps in more ways than one. Um, so I really do appreciate you coming on, Steve Mella, performance coach, career consultant, host of the Career Competitor podcast, Steve. Thank you for your time, everyone listening. Thank you for the time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So I appreciate you giving Mm -hmm. me some of yours. And other than that, man, hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their night. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you, Michael. Thanks, man.